good to see you guys. So excited to be here. And uh, if you don't know me, my name is Steve, and I have the honor and privilege of leading our young adults uh, here at Crossroads. It is literally, yeah, they're amazing. And I get to be with those guys tomorrow night. But I'm super excited to be with you guys today. And I just want to say welcome, all of you watching online, all of you in the building. Hey, what I like to do is... Um, there are a lot of people watching online right now. And so would you give it up for everybody watching online? Those of you in the room. Those of you watching online, give it up for everybody in the room. Man, they are excited that you guys are here today just as much as I am as excited that you guys are here. And today we're going to continue in a series that we started uh, weeks ago called You Believe That. Where what we're doing is we're going through different questions that uh, we would have to go through, uh, that we have to go through to work here, a theology interview. And we're going to be going through some theology questions um, that are just super fun, honestly, and we're just diving into God's word. I'm excited to answer a question today, uh, but before we do, let's go ahead and let's pray. God, I thank you so much for who you are. God, I thank you that your word equips us. And God, I thank you for each and every single person that is here. I pray that you today would speak to all of us, God. I pray that our ears and our hearts are in tune to what you have for us today. Speak, Lord, we're listening. In Jesus' name, amen. A few weeks ago, my wife Jessica and I and 30 other people, we got to go to Israel. And I got to tell you guys, yes, it was the most transformational experience of my life. It's one of those trips that I will be talking about for the rest of my life. It's kind of funny that I'm pretty sure since I've gotten back, every single sermon I preached had some sort of Israel in it. Like it was just one of those trips and I'll never forget it was on about day eight of the trip we went to the Via Della Rosa and the Via Della Rosa if you don't know it's the road it's this road in Jerusalem that Jesus would have walked on carrying part of the cross on his way to the crucifixion. And uh, we're, I'm going to show you some pictures in just a second. This is the actual Via Della Rosa that we got to see, the actual one that he walked on. But what's so interesting is that in Israel, what happens is uh, when armies would come in or when buildings get destroyed, what they do is they kind of level out the building. But instead of picking up the excess to whatever the building was, they just fill it with rocks and they fill the crevices and cracks with rocks and dirt and all sorts of different things and cement. And then what they do is they just build a new building on top of it. And so the actual Via Della Rosa is actually a couple, it's probably like a hundred feet below the ground that every day people are walking on. And so uh, it's actually cool that they build on top because a lot of what we got to experience are, is preserved because they just build on top. So we got to go to this museum this one particular day uh, to check out the Via Della Rosa and we go downstairs and as we're downstairs, the whole team of us is there. Pastor Chuck is with us and Pastor Chuck says these words. He's like, hey guys, I want you to just sit on the Via Della Rosa. If I'm honest with you, I'm a little bit of a germaphobe, and so I was a little hesitant to like sitting down because I don't know how, there's a lot of feet that were on there, but it was, so, it was a special moment. So I'm like, of course, I'm going to sit down. So I sit down, and everybody's touching it, and I'm like, don't. And so I touch it, and, and he's like, let's, get, we're, let's pray. And so we start praying, and what's crazy is because we're underground, the old city or the new city that people are uh, walking on, the 
where people are selling things, where people are eating and shopping. That's all happening above us. We're underneath on the actual Via Dolorosa where Jesus would have walked and we're praying. And I just was like, man, my heart was breaking to know that there are people walking above us. There are people eating above us, above the actual Via Dolorosa, and they don't know Jesus. They're so close to where he walked. They're so close to where he literally would have carried the cross to go to his crucifixion, yet they don't know him. And I gotta tell you, I had this discontentment in my heart the entire time since that day. I had this burden to reach those that are lost like never before. To think that these people are so close yet so far. And then it brought me back to here today. Where those people that we see at drop-off when we're dropping off the kids that are in need of hope. Those people that we pass by, those family members that are looking for answers, the coworkers we spend eight hours a day next to in a cubicle or working alongside that are longing for belonging, the family members that don't know Jesus, that need to know Jesus. And my heart broke for those people in Israel, but it breaks for people here who are lost. But I come today with some really good news today because although this might seem like a daunting task, you might be here thinking, man, those people I know, they're very far from Jesus. That is crazy. I don't know how I'm one day going to reach them. I come with some really good news because look at what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this. I am with you always even to the end of age. I truly believe this. If every single one of us watching online, those of you in the room, would go to work looking like Jesus, would walk out of these doors transformed and loving like Jesus with the confidence that the scripture says that he is with us always, our world would look different. Our friend groups would look different. Our workplaces would look different. But can I tell you that it's not an overnight fix. It's not just one of those things that, okay, I'm going to tell everybody about Jesus. They're going to come to know Jesus. No, this is, a, this is something we're going to have to do for the rest of our lives. It's the great commission that we're going to have to live out for the rest of our lives. But it's going to require you and I to live differently. It's going to require you and I to live like Jesus, even in situations that we perhaps don't want to. We're gonna always have to look like him. I'm also reminded of what Francis Chan said when he said these words. He said, Jesus said, go and make disciples, but so often we just sit and make excuses. And I gotta tell you, I was rocked by that quote. Because how true is it? How often have you and I made excuses about why we can't tell that person about him? How often have we made excuses? Man, I can't serve, I'm too busy. Man, there is so much going on in my life. There's so many responsibilities that I have. I don't know if I can do that. Man, if I go and I tell my coworker about Jesus, that might ruin the relationship that we have. And we have a really good relationship right now. Or I think sometimes what we even do is we compartmentalize our lives. And so we come to church on Wednesday. We come to church on Sunday. But the rest of the week, God doesn't invade. The rest of the week, we don't give God access to And so we don't really give him access to, uh, God, how should I parent? 
God, how should I love and treat my spouse? I think sometimes people treat going to church like a checklist where it's like, I went to church, I served, I'm good to go. But what Jesus is telling us is that we need to live it out every single day. And so I'm really excited about our topic today because it, what I got to experience in Israel is just gonna come out tonight and I am super excited to answer this question. What's the most important thing I lost my notes again. It's all good. We're here. What's the most important thing in life? What is the most important thing in life? I bet when you hear that question, a whole bunch of thoughts run through your mind, but I want to give you the answer up front today. The most important thing in life is being a disciple of Jesus. The most important thing in life is being a disciple of Jesus. And so we're all on the same page. I want us to define the term. A disciple is someone who follows another way of life and who submits themselves to the leader. And so for us, we submit ourselves and our lives, everything about us to our leader, Jesus. And so today I wanna spend some time in Luke chapter nine. You can open up your Bibles to Luke chapter nine or it's gonna come up on the screen. And before we get there, I wanna give uh, some context and paint the picture of what is happening. Jesus, in this moment, he's on his way to Jerusalem, meaning that his days that he has left on earth are getting shorter and shorter and shorter because once he hits Jerusalem, there he's gonna go endure the cross. And I think once we understand the climate of that, once we understand what's about to happen, when we read the passage that we're gonna read, it kind of hits a little bit differently. But, but I want you to see a little bit what's happening before we get to our story tonight. In Luke chapter nine, he's about to go to Jerusalem. He's on his way over there. It's, it's, he's starting his trek. And what is he doing? He's being intentional with people. He's loving people. Man, I don't know about you, but when I have a lot to do, when I'm stressed out in life, I'm so zoned in on what I gotta do, I don't really see the people around me. Jesus is not like that. He's so intentional. I mean, he sends out the 12 disciples and he's like, hey, I want you to go do ministry. He performs a miracle where he heals this demon-possessed boy. He feeds 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish All of that is happening as he knows he's about to go to Jerusalem and his time on earth is getting closer and closer and closer. Can I tell you that we worship an intentional God? We worship a God who cares about every single person. He leaves the 99 for the one. And I'm getting, I'm preaching that was not, it's just some, some free stuff for you. But that's what's happening in Luke chapter nine. I want us to go to verse 57. That's what we're gonna start reading tonight. Luke chapter nine, starting in verse 57, Jesus has an encounter with three separate people. And here's what it says. As they were walking along, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. I want you to notice this and I wanna call it out that Jesus didn't start the conversation. It was a guy that started the conversation and he volunteered himself. And so he said, Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go. But Jesus replied, foxes have dens to live in and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place even to lay his head. He said to another person, come follow me. The man agreed, but he said, Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. But Jesus told him, let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Your duty is to go and preach about the kingdom of God. 
Another said, yes, Lord, I will follow you, but first let me say goodbye to my family. But Jesus told him, anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. See, this story right here is one of those stories that sticks out to me. I love it. I'm excited to preach about it. But what I also love is this story shows us what we shouldn't be doing as disciples of Jesus. And so we learn from those guys what not to do. We learn from their mistakes. But tonight I want to speak from this idea of what are the marks of a disciple? The marks of a disciple. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. The first mark of a disciple is commit full time. So you might read a passage like the one we just read and be confused as to what is Jesus getting at? What is his response in this moment? And what I love about his response is that we see his expectations of us as followers. If you notice here in our reading, I know we read a lot, but two out of the three guys, you know what they do? They call Jesus Lord. I want you to notice that because that's a big deal. They call Jesus Lord, meaning they're saying, Jesus, you're the master of my life. Jesus, you're the boss, meaning whatever you say, it goes. But if you notice, once Jesus tells them what's required of them, there's an excuse. So once he says, hey, this is what I want you to do, there's an excuse. Look back at verse 57. As they were walking along, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. But Jesus replied, foxes have dens to live in and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to even lay his head. You see, right here, Jesus knows the guy's heart. Jesus knows our heart. And this guy apparently wasn't willing to give up his comforts. Verse 59, he said to another person, come follow me. The man agreed. But he said, Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. Another said, yes, Lord, I will follow you, but first let me say goodbye to my family. And can I tell you, it's not like these guys had lame excuses. I mean, the second guy in the story was like, hey, Jesus, I'm down. I totally want to follow you, but let me first go bury my father. And look at how he responds in verse 60. But Jesus told him, let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Your duty is to go and preach about the kingdom of God. And so you might hear that response and be like, what is Jesus getting at? And I think we need to explain his response for just a second. There's scholars that, there's a couple different thoughts around this idea that scholars have. But the first thought is that scholars believe that this man's dad wasn't actually dead. Meaning he was telling Jesus, yes, I will follow you one day. I'll follow you a couple years from now. I'll follow you a year from now. I'll follow you whenever my dad passes away. But I cannot live knowing that I'm going to be wherever you're calling me to go and my dad is home. I can't leave him. There's another school of thought where maybe his dad didn't, his dad did die. See, in this culture, what would happen is um, it was the firstborn son obligation to when, when the dad passed away, they would bury the dead person. What would happen is the firstborn would, after a year, after the body decomposes, they would go into the tomb, they would gather all the bones, they would put it in this tiny little box called an estuary, and they would put it in there, and what they would do is they would bury those bones. And the reasoning for this is because 
They wanted all the family members to be close together so it would save some space. And so it could have been that his dad did die, but regardless, he would have to wait a year to collect the bones, to put them in the box, to then rebury them. And so regardless of what is happening in this story, whether his dad did die or or his dad isn't dead yet, what Jesus is getting at here and what he wants us to know is that if you want to follow me, it requires immediate obedience. Immediate obedience is a yes right now, not a yes a year from now. And what we see here and what Jesus is getting is that above everything else, above everything else in life, above every other priority, Jesus needs to be number one. These guys called Jesus Lord, three potential disciples. They're saying, you're the master of my life. You're the Lord of my life. But when push came to shove, they didn't put their money where their mouth was. And this is crazy to me as I was studying. Here these guys are potential leaders. and They're like potential disciples. And they're like, man, I'll follow you. And then obviously this whole interaction that we see takes place where there's a whole lot of excuses. But I want you to see what happens two verses later. This is mind blowing. As I was studying, this, this was crazy to me. Two verses later in Luke chapter 10, verse two, look at what Jesus says. He says, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. Three people just went over to him. Three potential disciples just went. And some of them wanted to follow Jesus, but they didn't. And you notice what Jesus is saying here. He says, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. In other words, there's a whole lot of people to be reached. But what I love is Jesus doesn't lower his standards, although he needs people. He says, I need workers, but I'm not willing to lower my standards. I'm not desperate. I want you, if you are going to follow me, you need to make me number one in your life. You need to be fully committed to me. No one else, nothing else. You need to be fully committed to me. Can I tell you that as disciples, as followers of Jesus, there are no days off. You and I, we don't get to choose if we're like, man, I want to be a disciple this hour, but I don't want to be a disciple this hour. Man, I'll be a disciple when I'm at church, but I won't do it when I'm at work. We have no days off. It's an everyday thing. It's a full-time job. See, when you're at work, we're called to be a disciple. And can I tell you, you're not working for your boss. Although, yes, you are technically working for your boss, you're really working for God. And so we need to know and we need to approach our jobs knowing that we got to give our best. We, we need to be truthful with our time and what we're doing because although, yes, I'm reporting to a boss, I'm actually working for God. The Bible's clear that we can't hold on to bitterness. It's clear that we can't hold on to unforgiveness. And when you and I want to hold on to that, when you and I harbor that in our hearts, we're not following what Jesus told us to do. We need to let go of it. We need to seek forgiveness. Some of us, we need to forgive people. And this is what Jesus is telling us to do. And if we call ourselves disciples, we need to follow his lead. We need to follow what he's telling us to do. He needs to be number one in our lives. And I believe that these expectations that we're talking about tonight, 
are very much doable because God created us. And as a creator, he knows what his creation is capable of. And so it's totally more than possible, but every single day you and I need to live out the fact that we're disciples in our work, in our friend groups, when we're driving. Every single hour of the day, there are no days off. We need to follow where Jesus is guiding. We need to listen to what he's telling us to do. Those guys, they had the opportunity, but they all had excuses. And the one guy, Jesus knew his heart and said, I don't think you're there yet. You're not willing to give up your comfort. Second thought that I have, and the second mark of a disciple is we need to model the master. We need to commit full time and we need to model the master. Look at what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 10. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a slave above his master. It is enough for the disciple that he may become like his teacher and the slave like his master. Jesus right here is giving us, you and I, modern day followers of Jesus encouragement. And he's telling us our goal in life as his followers is to look like him. Our goal in life is to be more and more like him every single day. And we cannot do that if we're not learning from him. We cannot do that if we're not hearing from him. And one of the ways that we're able to hear from God is through his word. That's why we need to be in God's word daily. God's word is known as our daily bread. It's not our weekly bread, our monthly bread, our yearly bread. No, it's our daily bread, meaning we need to spend time with God daily. We need to be opening up the Bible daily because he's always speaking. What I love and what I like to say is that there's a message for you every morning. Some of us were like, man, I haven't heard from God in a long time. Can I challenge you and ask you, have you opened up your Bible? Because there's a message waiting there. We can't look like someone when we don't know what they look like. We can't know how someone lived their life if we don't even know how they lived their life. We can't hear from someone if we don't know how they spoke, what they sound like. I mean, could you imagine someone tries to talk to you and you don't know their voice? You're probably not going to listen to them because you don't know what they sound like. You're just like, that's just another person. But when you get to know him, when you get to hear his voice, he's speaking constantly. And the scripture says that we're not always listening. But that's one of the ways that God speaks to us is through his word. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is inspired by God and it's useful to teach us, I love this, it's useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. We need to be in God's word daily hearing from the breath of God. The word is filled, this world is filled with so many different lies. I mean, every single day we're hearing all sorts of different lies and it's really hard to differentiate truth and lies. But when we're, when we're in God's word, we know the truth and the truth is gonna set us free. 
And that's why we need to make sure that we're in the word of God so we could discern what is true, what isn't true. But let me also say and that when you're in God's word, it's gonna challenge you. It might require you to change how you're living. You see, God's word is the truth and it's true no matter how it makes us feel. It might require you and I to really assess our priorities in life. Maybe we think God is number one in our life. Maybe we're like these guys and we think, yeah, totally, I'm totally down. But then when we, when we get the instructions, we're like, I don't know about that. So I, one of the ways that we could really assess if God is number one in our life is by checking our bank account. How are you spending your money? Another way we can assess is by looking at your calendar and your schedule. How are you spending your time? Are you spending your time serving others? Are you spending your time at church? Are you spending time getting to know coworkers and building relationships outside so you could speak life into them? So you could teach them and let them know about the truth that they're probably looking for, but they don't even know that they're looking for? I think oftentimes what happens is people want the blessings of God without the devotion to God. In other words, we just want his stuff. But can I tell you, a true disciple, we're not in it for the perks, we're in it for the person. We want to know Jesus more. We want to look like him. We want to, we want to model our lives after him. And what's crazy to me in this story, and I was geeking out as I was studying this, but in Luke chapter nine, and sorry, I'm bringing you along this journey with me, but in Luke chapter nine, there's, there's a whole lot of rejection that is happening. Right before the passage that we just read and we looked at today, Jesus would send these messengers out to Samaria. They would go to Samaria, and what would happen is they would reject him. And then here these potential uh, disciples are and they don't end up following Jesus. It's filled with a whole lot of rejection and I don't think that it's a coincidence that it's placed right here in Luke chapter nine. Because as disciples of Jesus, our life is going to be filled with rejection. We are going to die to ourselves daily. We're gonna have to reject the feelings that we have at times because it doesn't align with God's word. We're going to have to reject some of the bitterness and the resentment that we want to hold on to because he says, no, you need to let it go. Our lives are going to be filled with rejection. We're going to go and we're going to talk to people and we're going to be like, hey, I really want you to hear why my life was changed. I want you to understand that I was once lost and broken and you're sharing your heart with a coworker, you're sharing your heart with family, and you know what happens? They might not wanna hear it. They might not listen, but it doesn't mean we stop. We need to understand that our lives are going to be filled with rejection. But at the end of the day, Jesus is our measure of maturity. He's the one that we're trying to look like. And so every decision we make, everything we do, we need to look back and say, how am I doing? Am I looking more like him daily? Am I loving like him daily? And the third mark of a disciple is we need to know the truth and speak it in love. Know the truth and speak it in love. In John chapter 13, 34, it says this. 
So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. What's gonna prove to the world that we're his disciples? Love. This right here is some of Jesus' last words. This right here comes on the heels of him washing the disciples' feet, no pun intended. As he's serving his people. And once we understand that, once we understand these are some of his last words, last words are important. In other words, he wants us to remember and he's saying that people are going to know you by your love. And I think one of the problems in our world, one of the problems today is Christians haven't done the best job at loving people. We haven't done the best job at loving people. I haven't done the best job at loving people. Remember, Jesus said, people will know us by our love. And I think people in our world, they look at Christians and they know more about what we're against than we're for. And if you don't hear much of my message at all, it's just, could we love people better? Look at Ephesians 4.15. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who's the head of his body, the church. I think there are three ways that we get this area wrong. Three ways we get love wrong. I think the first one is that sometimes we love people with strings attached meaning we attach conditions to our love. I love you, I love you if you don't disrespect me, but the second you disrespect me, I don't love you anymore and I'm gonna cut you off. I love you, but once you start getting on my nerves and once you start annoying me, I'm gonna take a step back and I'm gonna start hanging out with different people. I love you, but once you betray me, once I know and hear that you've been gossiping behind my back, I want nothing to do with you. I no longer love you. Sometimes we love people with strings attached. We put conditions to our love. I'm guilty of that. Other times we love people with truth and only truth. Like we we feel bad telling people that how they're living is sinful. We, we feel bad telling people that, hey, I know a God and I know the word and the word is powerful and the word is amazing and I know your life could be fully transformed and changed, but it's going to require you to change how you're living. You're not living God's best for your life. I think sometimes we kind of walk on eggshells. We don't want to tell people the truth and so we kind of tiptoe around it. And so we just tell people, we love you. Grace, 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 but we don't really tell them the truth. And we leave out the fact that, man, once you become a follower of Jesus, your life's gonna have to change. You're gonna have to model the master. You're going to experience, if you wanna experience God's best for your life, you're gonna have to change some things in your life. But sometimes we don't wanna have those conversations and so we just love people without truth. 
And the third way is that we truth without love. We truth without love, meaning we just call people out in the worst ways for how they're living. Look at 1 Corinthians 13, 1. Paul says this, if I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And you know what happens? I think so often in our world, so often in our circles, this is what happens when we just truth. We're talking to people, we're having conversations with them, and I'm telling you the truth, you're, you're, Jesus loves you. I'm t- and we're telling these people the truth, but when we don't do it with love, we just sound like this. And can I tell you that I'm guilty of this. We know people, maybe we post about it and we're like, no, those people, they need to know the truth. Like, I can't even hear what I'm saying right now. I'm screaming. And what happens is you guys are like, thank God he's done. My ear is done. And what happens is though, I get it. We want to tell people the truth, right? But when we don't do it with love, when our actions don't display love and that we care about you as a person and that we just don't want to just tell you the truth and just throw the truth at you, we sound like this. I mean, some of us, this is what our Instagram feed sounds like. This is what our conversations at the dinner table sound like. This is what our workplaces sound like. Nobody wants to hear this. And what happens is, I get it, we're trying to tell people the truth. But when we don't do it in a loving way, man, people are like, would they stop? They're so loud. And that's why what the scripture says, we need to speak the truth in love. You can't just have truth. We can't just be all love. Because if we're all love, there are a whole lot of people that need the answers that we have, that need the the hope that we have, the expectation of going to heaven one day. And people are needing that. And so we can't just have all love, but we sure can't just have all truth either. We need a balance. And so I wanna ask you, how are you loving people? Are you loving them with strings attached? Are you all love and no truth? Or are you truth without love? I want you to think about this. How would our world look if we followed what we just talked about? What would our circles look like? What would our workplaces look like? How would our coworkers respond? I believe that there are so many people that want what we have, but we just haven't done it in the best way. I believe there's so many people that are still lost because we actually haven't really told them the truth. We just loved them. 
And there's people that are lost that want nothing to do with us because we just told them the truth and there was no love in our actions and how we spoke to them. As disciples, we need to speak the truth in love, but first we need to know the truth. And how we know the truth is by being in God's word, spending time with him. That's how we know the truth. And then we're able to know the truth and speak it in love. See, when you and I, when we're modeling after the master, we're not loving people with strings attached. We're not loving without truth. We're not truthing without love. We speak the truth in love. And I get so excited today because I'm really hoping that you guys haven't checked out of my message. I'm really hoping today that as we walk out of those doors, that we would actually attempt to live this. And I get it, we're not gonna be perfect. We're gonna mess up. But, but I really want us to understand that we need to fully be committed to Jesus. There is no day off. We can't turn off when we feel like it. It's an everyday thing. We need to constantly live it out because remember what happens, these guys, they had excuses and they missed out. I don't want you to miss out. We miss out when we make excuses of opportunities where we could reach people for them. But I also know that there are people in here today as we're talking about being a disciple of Jesus, modeling our lives after the master. And maybe you're here today and you don't even know the master. Maybe you're here and you're watching online perhaps and you don't know Jesus. Maybe you were once in a relationship with him and then because of life getting in the way he went from being number one in your life to not really playing much of a role in your life and maybe today you need to come back to him so I don't know where you're at but what I want to do is I want to pray and I know that there are people in this room there are people watching online that need to fully commit their lives to him not a half commitment a full commitment and remember It's an immediate obedience thing. It's a yes right now, not a yes next week, not a yes later on. It's yes, I'm going to follow him. And while I was on the Via Della Rosa, if only people that are walking above us could look right down where we were in that museum and see that road, but not just see that road, but understand what that road represents. The fact that Jesus walked down it, carrying part of a cross on his way to his crucifixion for you and for me. I would love people to know that. They're so close yet so far. Maybe you're here today and you're so close yet so far, meaning you're around the people of God, you're in the church, but you don't really know him. So what I want us to do, I want us to pray right now. If you're a follower of Jesus, would you be praying for those that need to say yes to him? Everybody's eyes closed, head bowed. God, I thank you so much for who you are. I thank you for today. I thank you that you love us. I thank you that you show us how we are to live our lives. 
And God, I pray for people that are here today that don't know you, that need to say yes to you for the first time, those that need to come back to you and make you a priority, make you number one in their life. God, I pray that they would. I pray that it would be immediate obedience. And so I thank you for all the people that are gonna say yes to you. I thank you that you love us. Even at our worst, while we were sinful, you would still love us, still go to the cross for us. So I thank you for the relationship that we get to have. And so right now with nobody looking around, everybody's eyes closed, I want to give you an opportunity to say yes to following Jesus. Maybe it's for the first time. Maybe you need to come back to him. Don't let anything hold you back from this moment. Maybe you're here today and you have all of these different thoughts running through your mind, what you have to do after this. Can I encourage you to just be present? Don't let a moment like this pass you by. Maybe you're here and you would say that Jesus was a number one priority in your life. But over the years, after circumstances, you're realizing, man, he's not number one in my life. Maybe you need to come back to him today. So I want to give you an opportunity all across this place. If you're watching online, I don't know where you're at, where you're listening this, where you're listening to this from but know that God wants to meet you right where you're at. So all across this place, online, would you repeat these words after me? Would you say, God, I know that you love me. I believe that you sent your son, Jesus, to die for me. Would you free me of hurt and free me from pain? So I say yes to you. Yes to the life you have for me. There's no turning back. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, and praise God for all of you that prayed that prayer. If you're online and you prayed that prayer, praise God, and you could text amen to 77247. That's amen to 77247. Thanks again for joining us. Here at Crossroads, we're all about helping people take their next step. So, what's your next step? Whether you've made a decision to follow Jesus, want to be baptized, or you're interested in knowing more about God and the Bible through our Alpha class, we can help you take your next step at crossroadschurch.family. We also want to invite you to gather your family and friends to join us right here online again next week. So if you're watching on YouTube, hit that subscribe button and you'll never miss out on any new messages. If you found this message encouraging, click the like button and let us know how we can pray for you this week in the comments. Finally, if your life is being impacted by Crossroads and if you wanna be part of making an impact all over the world, you can head to crossroadschurch.family to do that now. Thanks again for watching and we'll see you next time.